Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Thankful and grateful tonight to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you have chosen us and you have caused us to approach. Tonight we pray, Lord, that you minister to our hearts. Tonight we avail our hearts to you, O God, to change us. We are grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you clap for Jesus as you take your seats. Take your seats and um, wonderful. Wonderful. Do you have your books with you? Do you have your copy? Do you have your copy? I cannot see your copy. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Powerful. So take your copies. I want to see all of you with your books. Everyone should have his book or her book. Amen. Wonderful. So we are in a season of what we call in Lighthouse Chapel International, Feeding 527. We are in a season of feeding five to seven. Now, this is um, a, a season in Lighthouse where we choose one of the many books that the bishop has written and we share. And um, we began sharing from, we began our feeding five to seven last Sunday. And as I announced to you, that is what we are going to be sharing for the next few weeks. We are going to be sharing from this book in our Sunday services, our Tuesday services. If we have prayer meetings, we are going to pray from this book. Our area fellowship meetings, we're going to share from this book. It is very much okay during your area fellowship meetings to share from the same chapters that we have shared also in church, to go over it, to discuss it, to understand even more. Hallelujah. Wonderful. So, um, now the reason why we do this, we do not replace the Bible with any of the books that the bishop has written. That is not what we do. But um, there's a reason why we choose one of these books to share during this season of Feeding 527. And the reason is that God has given us a servant, a man of God, who is so anointed, and God is using him to do wonderful things, including writing books. And so many people are being blessed from the books that he has written. And it seems that his own children are not even taking these books seriously. And it is not right 
that the food that is prepared for the children are now being given to dogs because the children do not want them. Amen. And so based on the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27, which says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This was a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches and he charged the pastor to whom the letter was addressed to read that epistle to the entire church, to all the holy brethren. And it was so doing that we also have this book of Thessalonians. We have the first and second Thessalonians. So we also, based on this scripture, for a book that the pastor, our pastor, has written, we take one of these books and we share from them. We all read them in church. Because if we were to leave it to you alone, you wouldn't read it. Now, how many of you were blessed last week as just we were reading the book? I was blessed just as we were reading the book. So it is not to leave you with just reading the book in church as a group, but it is to entice you and to encourage you to read the books on your own. I want to encourage you to read this book on your own. How many of you have been reading the book? You've been using it for your quiet time. You are studying the book. Are you being blessed? Wonderful. So, we want to continue sharing from the book. And like I told you last Sunday, we are going to be sharing. We are not separating. It's one continuous message. It's one big message. And the title of the book is Lycos. It's a Greek word, lycos, which by translation means layman, which also by definition means having no skill. Amen. Do you understand? So it is lycos, and the title of the message is lycos. So last week we shared lycos number one. Today we want to continue with lycos number two. Isn't it powerful? Jessica, you are welcome back. You were missed. Amen. So today we want to continue on chapter 2 of Lycos. Chapter 2 of Lycos. So I just want to... How many of you were not here last Sunday? You were not here last Sunday. Okay. Now, Lycos... (laughs) Wherever you were in Lighthouse, this is the book that everyone was preaching from. Everyone worldwide in Lighthouse, wherever church you are, whether you are in Burundi or you are in Tamale, wherever you are, everyone is sharing from the book Lycos. Hallelujah. So if you went to a wedding in Boston and you weren't in church, you heard a message on Lycos. Hallelujah. Did you hear a message on Lycos? Did you hear a message on Lycos at the Mount Vernon branch? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful. So today we want to continue. Now, last week we explained that, you see, when I look at this book, I was wondering how it was going to apply to ordinary church members. You know, it sounds as if it's a pastor's book. 
Do you understand? But last week, we came to understand that we are all called and we are ordained to be pastors. Every Christian is ordained to be a pastor. Every Christian, Jesus says, I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit will remain. Is it not the work of a pastor? Now, that message, that scripture was not written to pastors. It was written to Christians. Hallelujah. And so the book applies to you very much, just as it applies to me. Hallelujah. But it will make you a better pastor if you read it with all sincerity. So, chapter 2, what happens when there are no laymen and volunteers. What happens when there are no laymen and volunteers? And we say laymen are people who have no skills, people who have no certificate, people who have no experience, people who have no professions, ordinary men, commonplace people. Hallelujah. People who ride a train, People who drive their own cars, they, don't, they are not chauffeured. Ordinary people. Hallelujah. People who have not gone or who have not studied theology. Do you understand? This book applies to you. Are you a common people? Are you a group of common people? Then this book applies to you. Amen. So, what happens when there are no laymen and volunteers? The first thing that happens, or one of the things that happens, is if you do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, you will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. If we do not allow volunteers to work in the ministry, we will kill the Christian principle of sacrifice in the church. If we do not allow volunteers, if we do not allow laymen, if we do not allow common people, commonplace people, ordinary people, if we do not allow such people to also partake in the work of the ministry, then we are going to remove one of the basic principles of Christianity, which is sacrifice from the church. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If some men... Is that what it says? If some professionals... If some special people... Is there anything we can do so I can... Because it looks like I can't come to... When I'm going there, it's like, get out of here. Amen. It's a scripture saying, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If, if professionals will come after me, if pastors will come after me, if reverends will come after me, if bishops of churches will come after me, it says, if any man, if any 
any man will come after me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. Let him deny himself. Any man who wants to come after Christ, this is what the scripture says. Any man who wants to come after him, let him deny himself. Because it says the symbol of Christianity is the cross. If you talk about Christianity, you are talking about the cross. If you talk about the cross, you are talking about suffering. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to look at in what context that Jesus said this. He didn't just come up and say, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Do you see? So let's look at the context under which Jesus made this statement. Maybe we want to read Matthew chapter 16 from verse 21. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, it says the symbol of Christianity is the cross. The cross speaks of suffering. The cross is a symbol of suffering. We'll read the scripture. Don't worry. We are reading the book now. It speaks of dying. God spoke to Abraham and asked him to give up his most treasured possession, which was his son. That is what God requested of Abraham. When Abraham made a decision to follow God, God requested of him something that he treasured so much, which was his son. A promise that God has given him And finally, that promise came to pass. He followed God faithfully, believing that what God has promised him, he will give him. And when finally God gave him that promise, he wanted to take that promise from him. Amen. He says, don't listen to anyone who tells you that the day of suffering, sacrificing, losing, and dying is over. Christianity involves sacrificing, it involves losing, it involves suffering, and it involves dying. Hallelujah. So if anyone is telling you that as you are coming to follow Christ, you will not have suffering, that person is deceiving you. He says, if any man wants to follow me, let that person, he says, if any man will come after me, any man, any man, no exception, whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. The day of suffering, sacrificing, losing and dying has come. God is requiring us to give up our treasured possessions so that we can serve him. Hallelujah. So that we can serve him. Matthew chapter 16 verse 21. It says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed 
and be raised again the third day. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, do you understand? Jesus is talking about, he says, he began to show his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and then be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou severest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Hallelujah. It says, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. For thou severest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. When he said this, then he turned to his disciples. Then he said unto his disciples, Listen, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Hallelujah. This is the context from which we are reading this particular scripture. Hallelujah. I want you to see that here we are talking about suffering, sacrificing, losing, and dying, which is very much a part of Christianity. It is very much a part of Christianity. Hallelujah. Now, we have a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy every good thing that God has for us. Every blessing that God has for us there is a thief whose plan, he says, he comes not for anything. He says, the thief cometh not. He will not come if there is no blessing coming to you. He will not come if there is no good thing coming to you. The thief only comes. He says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. So, if we are reading that, Jesus turned to someone as he spoke about his suffering, as he spoke about his dying, when he spoke about these things, a voice came and said, no, don't do that. You cannot do that. You can't suffer. You can't go and die for the ministry. Jesus turned to him and realized immediately who this was. And I said, the thief cometh only when something good is coming to you. 
The scripture says he doesn't come for anything else. He doesn't come for anything else, but he comes only when something good. He says he cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus heard that, he knew who was coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. Anyone who who discourages you from suffering for God, anyone who discourages you from losing anything for God, anyone who discourages you from dying for God, from sacrificing for God, is no other but Satan. Anyone. Is somebody understanding the word of God this evening? Hallelujah. He's the only one who comes to steal what blessing that God is giving you. And is this a blessing? It is so much of a blessing because Jesus said, you know, this thing, this kind of thing, to lose your life, to sacrifice, to die, to suffer, it cannot be compared. The reward of it, it cannot be compared if you were to gain the whole world. It cannot be compared if you were to gain the whole of the skyscrapers in Manhattan. Which is not even the whole world. Amen. If someone were to give you the apartment complex where you live, if someone were to give it to you and say, from now on, all the rent comes to you. The building is yours. It's not even the whole world. Jesus said, this is not even worth your soul. That you will suffer for your soul. That you will die to preserve your soul. It is not worth it. Hallelujah. So any kind of advice that comes to you like that is satanic. Any kind of advice that comes to deter you or to sway you from suffering for God or from sacrificing for God is satanic advice. Hallelujah. And it does not matter who is giving you that advice. It does not matter who is speaking. It does not matter how much the person says, I love you. It does not matter how much the person says, I am with you. Do you believe that Peter loved Jesus? Oh, he loved him very much. Do you believe that Peter was ready to die with Jesus? He said he would die with him wherever you go. But Jesus turned and realized that this person loves me so much. So for this counseling that is coming, it is not from him, but it is from Satan. It is from Satan. So he did not turn to him and say, Get thee behind me, Peter. Thou art offense unto me. For thou severest not the things of God, but the things of men. But he turned to him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. This counseling is taking away something that is so great. Something that is so great. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So when someone comes to you and says, why, why, why are you staying so late in church? What are you doing? Why, why, why were you so late in church? What, what, what are you doing? It's a satanic voice you are hearing. 
The voice that comes to you and say, why are you, why do you let them send you around like the small boy? They're sending you back and forth, letting you do things like a little boy. And that is a satanic voice you are hearing. The voice that comes to you and says, but you are too tired. You need to take a break. You need to rest. It's too much. You are suffering too much. So you need to rest. That is not a voice that is true. It doesn't matter how much the person loves you. Look behind. Look beyond that love and see that this is not the love that is coming from this person. But there is Satan behind this voice. There is Satan behind this voice. Amen. The voice that comes to you and say, why do you spend your money? Why do you spend your money to buy all these drinks? Why do you spend your money to buy communion? Let them pay you. Let them reward. Let them give it back to you. That voice, that voice, no matter how much the person loves you, and it may sound as if the person wants money back in your wallet, it's not the voice of a person that loves you. That is a satanic voice. That is a satanic voice. That is a satanic voice. Who gives you money to buy all these flowers? Who gives you money to buy all these things for the church? Who gives you? I use my own money. Why do you do that? Why you? You can't even afford to pay your. Are you working? You are not even working. Why are you using your? Let them pay you. The church has money. That counseling, that advice, that voice is satanic. It's satanic. And it may, it may sound like the person loves you. He said, no, you cannot go and die. You can't give your, it may be your auntie. It may be your father. It may be your mother. It may be a very good friend. That is a demonic counseling. That is a demonic counseling. Amen. So you be careful also when you are advising someone who is doing the work of God. Be very careful. For all you know, Satan is using your voice to counsel that person. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing? You have to analyze what spirit is leading you to give that counsel. Analyze what spirit is leading you. To give that counsel. And you see, when you are giving that counsel, when you are giving that counsel, the reason why you talk like that and you also not, you do not analyze it is because thou severest not the things that be of God, but that those who be of men. You are a man. You are a very man. No spirit in you. You, are, you, 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 don't, have, you don't have any spiritual aspect. In, that is why you give counsel like that. Amen. And sometimes you think you are wise. You are giving a wise counseling. Amen. It is quite okay to be tired for God. It is suffering. You are sleepy, but you are here. It is very much okay. Don't let anyone lie to you. It is very much okay to be tired for God. You are sleepy, but you are here. You are very t- You didn't have enough sleep, but you are here. It is very much okay. I say it is very much okay. Hallelujah. It is very much okay. It is okay, very much okay to be paying tolls, crossing bridges, 
and using your gas and doing, it is very much okay just to come to church. Paying gas, driving your car. Sibale, it is very much okay. So don't let anyone who, how much are they paying you? How much do they pay you that you have to drive back and forth all this distance to come to church? It is very much okay to suffer for God. And he says that nothing can compare. The whole world, having the whole world, cannot be compared to that suffering. Having the whole world, it cannot be compared to that suffering. Amen. It's very much okay. Why are we? What, uh, last time, as they were collecting, didn't you give? You gave. They are getting, they are taking again. I think it's too much. Last time, didn't you give this much? I think it's too much. That is demonic counseling. Say to the person, get thee behind me, Satan. Do it, let me see. Get thee behind me, Satan. Vicky, it is very much okay to suffer for God. You are sleeping, but you are sitting and projecting. It is very much okay. You are very tired, but I came to record. It is very much okay. It is very much okay. You say, they look at you. Why is it so hot? And you are still playing the drums and you are wet and you are sweating. It's, I like it. I am suffering, but I like the suffering. I like the suffering. See, sometimes when I'm preaching here and I'm sweating, some people feel very sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. It is very much okay. Very much okay to suffer for Christ. It is very much okay. Oh, but Reverend, what does he have to... Some, some of you, we can't even concentrate on the word. True or not true? But it's very much okay to suffer for God. Hallelujah. It is so okay to suffer for God. It is not only suffering for the work of God. It's not only for the pastor. Amen. It is not only for the pastor. That is, you see, it was not only for Jesus. It was not only for Jesus to go and suffer and die. That is why he said, listen. You see, let's read that scripture again. It says, verse 21. It says, for what? Verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him. It's like, you know, this one, nobody should even hear this. Come, 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 come. come. Peter! You know, he had a lot of respect for Jesus. But he felt that he has come to a critical stage that this man needs some good counseling. I think the ministry is getting to his head too much. I think, I think you have taken the church too far. You have married the church. Every time we can find you, every day you are in the church. Church, church, church. Come, let me tell you. Come, 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 come. I think you are leaving certain important things behind. Don't you know you have brothers and sisters? Are you not from a family? Were you not born? You don't have a father and a mother. How can you be talking like that? Amen. So listen. This thing that you are talking about, it's even embarrassing for them to hear this. 
So he said, Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Rebuke him. Don't be talking like that. You see, that's rebuke. You know, and you see, let me tell you, when you when you when something is very right, when something is very right and you feel very right about that, it doesn't matter who the person is, how high the person is, you get certain power to rebuke the person. Because you feel so right that something has come over the man. He, he can't even see far. He can't take badness. Madness. So he says, he, he says, don't be talking like that. Do you know the things that we have left even to follow you? Our boats, our businesses. We have family. And we have left all to follow you. Now what are you talking about? He, he rebuked him, saying, be far from you. You are not dying. You are not going. Even in Jerusalem, you are not going. <laughs> he said, even in Jerusalem, you are not going. This shall not be unto thee. You see, this shall not be unto thee. It's very satanic. Very satanic. This shall not be unto thee. Because he knows the result, the reward of that suffering. Put your hands together for Peter. That's Peter, not me. I'm not Peter. <laughs> I was just playing Peter for her. Amen. The suffering is not only for pastors. Hallelujah. That is why we must allow volunteers to also work in the ministry. So they can also experience the basic Christian principle of sacrifice. Hallelujah. It says the church is being filled with people who are not aware that God is calling them to sacrifice. Like Peter. The church is being filled with a lot of Peters. Who are not aware. They are not aware. You see, he was not aware that God has called us to sacrifice. To suffer. He said Christianity is based on the cross. Christianity is based on losing your life so that you can gain a new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He says different sacrifices for different people. He says some have mistaken or some have the mistaken view that God asks everyone to sacrifice their Isaac. You know, There are some people that feel that everyone has to sacrifice their Isaac. Now, God is not going to ask everyone for his Isaac. Do you have an Isaac? You don't even have an Isaac. So how is God going to ask you to sacrifice your Isaac? He said, God did not ask Joseph to sacrifice his sons. Neither did he ask Jacob or Isaac to sacrifice their sons. King David was a man after God's own heart. But God did not ask David to sacrifice his son. God deals with everyone differently. What God requires of me may be different from what he requires of you. Hallelujah. What God requires of me may be totally different from what he requires of you. Hallelujah. Sometimes God requires that you take this job so that you can serve him. Sometimes God requires that you take this career path so that you can serve him. 
There are different requirements. Hallelujah. There are different requirements. God has asked the bishop, for instance, to sacrifice his profession. Perhaps God will ask you for your profession. But he will ask you for something and you have to give it up. Hallelujah. Christianity always involves sacrifice. God will always ask you for something and you have to give it up. Hallelujah. When God is asking you for five small loaves of bread, five small barley loaves of bread, and two small pieces of fish, when God is asking you for them, it may look so unreasonable. When God is taking five small barley loaves of bread, a little boy's lunch, with two pieces of fish, and you have brought your ministry and you are taking this little boy's food for your ministry, it looks so unreasonable. A lot of times, what God is asking of us may sound so unreasonable. God may be asking for something so, that sounds so unreasonable to you, but give it up. Because what you will receive is nothing compared to what you would want to keep. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Let's turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 5. John chapter 6 and verse 5. Is somebody understanding the word of God this evening? John chapter 6 and verse 5. Let's read from the New Living Translation, please. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we work for months, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to pay this tuition. But God will give you a way to pay your tuition. Even if I work for months, there is no way I could afford to care for this one. But God will make a way for you. Even if I work for months, there's no way I could feed my family this way. But God will feed your family. Even if I work for months, I could not afford to buy a house. God will give you a house. You look at the car and you say, even if I work for months and months and months, I will not be able to afford. God will give you that car. I say, God will give you that car. God will give you that car. You will have a key, a car key, that drives a brand new car. And you don't owe anything on it. Somebody receive your key. I say, receive your key. Receive your key. Yes. The prophecy you believe. 
I said the prophecy that you believe. Philip said, even if we work for months, you have worked for months, show me what you have. He says, it is he who giveth thee power to make wealth. Hallelujah. It is he. So even if we work for months, you cannot be in that school. Even if you work for months. But God will make a way for you to be in that school. I say he will make a way for you to be in that school. He will make a way for you to put your children in good schools. Amen. He will make a way for you to have financial aid enough to pay for your tuition. Because the way things are, the way it is, you know, even if you work for months, even if you work for months, Philip looked at the crowd and looked and said, even if we work for months, all of us, all 12 of us, we work for months. We wouldn't have enough money. Even if we add you, Jesus, to be 13 employees. We wouldn't have enough to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. Tell everyone to sit down. We have someone with five barley loaves of bread and two pieces of fish. Then tell everyone to sit down. I have someone who is willing to forego that over time and come and serve me, then tell everyone to sit down. I have someone who is willing to drive all these miles to come and minister to them, then tell everyone to sit down because I am about to bless them. I said, somebody receive your blessing. Somebody receive your breakthrough. Receive your breakthrough. He says, there is someone, he said, they told him, he said, there is a little lad here with five barley loaves of bread and two pieces of fish. Then when Jesus heard that, he says, there is something, something that someone is ready to let go. Then tell everyone to sit down. Tell everyone to sit down. Tell everyone to sit down. I have someone who is ready to sacrifice something then tell everyone to sit down because something mighty is about to happen. Then something powerful is about to happen. I have someone who is willing to sacrifice. Someone who is willing to give of the little that he has. Because the scripture says, he himself knew what he would do. He himself knew what he would do. Then tell everyone to sit down. Tell them. All 5,000. Just tell everyone to sit down. Because something is about to happen. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on their grassy slopes. 
The men alone numbered 5,000. The men alone. 5,000. Excluding children. Excluding women. The men alone. 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. He took the loaves. He took the little boys five pieces of loaves. He took them. Are you willing to let go of your little that you have? I say, if you are willing to sacrifice what is about to happen to you, is more than what you would have kept, what you have held on. So Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Including the little boy. Because he didn't make any exception. He says they all, they all ate as much as they wanted. They all ate. As much as they wanted. Every one of them. After everyone was what? May you be full in whatever thing that you are hungry of. The thing that is making you hungry. Whatever thing that is in your life that is making you hungry. Tonight, may you be full of that thing. I say, may you be full of that thing. May you be full of that thing. I don't know what thing is making you hungry. There is a hunger in you that no one can quench. But when you encounter the Lord, may you have the abundance of that thing. May you be full of that thing. He said, tell everyone to sit down. Tell them to sit down. Tell them to sit down. He says, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. The Lord will fill you over and above what you give him. He is the God that takes that few loaves that you have in your hand and take that two pieces that you have in your hand. He will multiply and he will give back to you. He's not the God that will take from you and keep. But he takes, he multiplies, and he gives back to you. Somebody clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, that is a God we serve. Amen. Amen. That is a God we serve. So God may ask something else from you. Christianity always involves sacrifices. If you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry... They will never learn to give up the smallest thing for Christ. Sometimes people come to this country and the smallest thing, they are giving it up for, 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 for the world. They are giving up Christ for the world. They say, we will offer you this job. 
you, but you can't go to church anymore. I'll take it. We will offer you this job, but you can't serve God anymore. I will take it. But he says, you let go of those few loaves of bread and the few pieces of fish. Let go of it. Let go of it and see and see and see and see. He says, I have someone who is ready to let go. Then tell 5,000 men, excluding women and children, tell them to sit down because I'm about to wrath a miracle. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So it says, if they cannot give up their time, their evenings, their leisure for Christ, what will happen if God asks them for their Isaac? You can't even come to church. Look at our church. Sunday we are full. Tuesday we are half full. Because people are not willing to let go of their leisure. I have to have my eight hours sleep by all means. I don't want to wake up in the morning and I have dark rings around my eyes. I want to have my rest. I cannot afford to miss the debate. I cannot afford to miss my program. My children need to rest. Amen. Am I preaching to someone this evening? He says they are not willing to let go or give up their evenings, their leisure, their time, their money. Christ, he says, or to give them for Christ. So what would happen if God were to ask you for your Isaac? It is important to expose the lay people in your church to this basic principle of sacrifice. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I have an amen? Amen. Wonderful. Number two. If you do not allow laymen to work in the ministry, you will remove the opportunity for people to demonstrate faithfulness. If you do not allow laymen to work in the ministry, you will remove the opportunity for people to demonstrate faithfulness. Hallelujah. The Bible teaches clearly that he that is faithful with little will be faithful with much. There's a scripture in Luke 16, verse 10 to 12. It says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Luke 16, verse 10 to 12. He says, if somebody is not faithful as a lay person, how will he be faithful when he is in full-time ministry? Many people do not do well in full-time ministry because they did not do well as lay people. 
Amen. You are a lay person and you are not faithful. You are a lay person and you cannot, you cannot endure suffering. You are a lay person and the little work that we have given you, we have given you few people to follow up and you can't follow them up. But you want to be a pastor. Amen. You are a lay person and the little ministry that we have given you, you are not able even to fulfill it. You are not faithful in that ministry, but you want to become a pastor. Amen. It says, there are people who were, who, 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 who were not successful as full-time pastors because they were not faithful as lay ministers or lay pastors also. Hallelujah. Did you work for the Lord as a lay person who did not need supervision? Did you need anybody to tell you to get up to pray? Did you need anybody to tell you to study your Bible? You see, this life that you are living now, if you are not faithful in this, we cannot commit you to bigger things. You are not faithful as a commonplace person to rise up in the morning to pray. In the morning, how many people are on the prayer line? Three, five, six, eight people. Maximum nine. The entire church. It, for me, if you are a leader that you don't pray, you don't come on prayer line, you don't tell me that you pray on your own. You can't pray. You are not praying. I'm telling you. You are not praying. Amen. Amen. Were you faithful when you were in school? Bishop says, I was a committed worker in the scripture union when he was in school. He says, I was heavily involved as an organist in a Christian singing group to which I belong. I was a drummer and a pianist for the Victory Church in London. I was involved with a fellowship in the university, yet it never once crossed my mind that I should be paid for these things. This lay ministry is an important background for a future full-time ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. Is somebody understanding what they're sharing this evening? Someone is not faithful with his small family of three or four, but he wants to become a pastor. You cannot be faithful to this small family that God has given to you, but you want to become a pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. You are not faithful with the small ministry that we are giving you. A sister who is not faithful with the choir, but you think you can be a faithful wife and a faithful mother. So to me, as a pastor, if another pastor calls me and is looking for one of my, sis, one of my daughters in the choir, I look at the one who is faithful in the choir and I can stand on and I say that she can also be faithful as a wife and faithful as a mother also. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yes. You are not faithful with the women's ministry. They have women's ministry and then you have a very bad attitude towards it. But you are driven to become a pastor's wife. 
You think you can become a pastor's wife. You deceive your own self. Listen to the scripture. It says, And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, somebody's ministry, you are not faithful in it. Who shall give you that which is yours? You are, you, are, you are in my church, you are not faithful, and you want to go and have your own church, and you think God will give you a ministry. He says, if you are not faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is yours? Who shall give you that which is yours? Amen. Amen. You are not faithful with someone's husband. And you want a husband. You are doing all kinds of things to someone's husband. You are not faithful to someone's marriage. You have snatched somebody's husband from her. Whenever they are looking for the husband, they can't find him. And you have taken the husband here, Costco. Take me to BJ's. Take me to TJ Maxx. Take me to Marshalls. Take me here. Take me there. I left my left away, lay away something. I want to go and pick. I need to do my hair. And the man is sitting in the car waiting for you to do your hair. And his wife and his children are home. You are not faithful in that which belongs to another. Who shall give you that which is yours? Who shall give you? Some of you women, you have that, you have that snatchy behavior. You have that, you have that domineering behavior to dominate people's husbands. And you, 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 you tie a rope around somebody's husband's neck. Everywhere you are driving the man. And who will give you that which is yours? Because you have some artificial hair. And you have some artificial eyebrows. And you have some makeup on. And you are wearing all kinds of things. And you are taking people's husbands everywhere you go. And you have some, you have some heels that you are put on. And taking people's husbands. And you control them. I need you to take me here. I need you to take me there. And you husbands. And you are praying to God every day to give you that which is yours. You want yours. Who will give you that which is yours? Who will give you that which is yours? No one will give you that which is yours. Amen. Let us try to finish this. It says, he that is faithful with lay ministry will be faithful with full-time ministry. Many people who have worked as lay people work even better as full-timers. Number three. Number three. Are you being blessed from the book? Isn't it a powerful book? It's a powerful book. It's a wonderful book. If you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry, you will employ people to do jobs that do not occupy them fully. Did you hear that? If you do not allow lay people to work in the ministry, you will employ people to do jobs that do not occupy them fully. 
He says, not every ministry needs a full-time pastor. Many churches can be pastored by unpaid pastors. If there are only 25 people in the church, it is obvious that it cannot sustain and it does not need a full-time pastor. Many of the church members secretly ask, what does a full-time pastor do all day? You see, you don't say it, but you are asking in your heart. So pastors, what do they do all day? They might be sleeping all day, waiting for Saturday to prepare and come and preach on Sunday. And then Tuesday, they come and preach. And the rest of the week, what are they doing? Amen. See, that's why some people, when they call the pastor, oh, Reverend, are you sleeping? <laughs> Anytime they call the pastor, are you sleeping? Oh, Reverend, did I wake you up? Why? <laughs> In fact, church members, many people think that pastors sleep from morning to evening. The fact is that there isn't so much to do with a congregation of 30. You see, that's why church members begin to think like that. So if we have a congregation of 30 and there is a full-time minister, that is the question you'll be asking. You know, I'm breaking this barrier today. I am breaking this barrier today. Why can I not be free? Take this echo from, I will be here until the echo is out. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will fix that. The Lord will make provision. We will fix that. We are going to get better sound. Sound system. Better sound system. Yes. We are waiting for it. It will come. Do you believe that? Yes. We are going to have better sound system. I'm beginning to believe in the prophecies so much. Look, I, I was hearing Bishop when he was prophesying about the first love people's own church. That the day he was prophesying about it. Today they have their own beautiful. We will have our own church. I say we will have our own church. Amen. Here in the U.S. of A. Well, we will finish and we will not have to pack our things here in the U.S. of A. Amen. Just stay around for long enough to see and enjoy the blessing. Amen. It says, the ministry has to develop to the point where it needs a full-time worker. The other reality is that most of the members are at work during the day and only become available in the evenings. The U.S. churches are like that. <laughs> Pastors are not bankers, accountants, or pharmacists. They are shepherds who are supposed to look after sheep. Working hours are different for different professions. He says, I do not work from 9 to 5 every day because I'm not an accountant. I am a pastor. When the sheep becomes available in the evening, I become very active. That is why I work late into the night. Wow. Hallelujah. 
A pastor cannot say that my work is nine to five. Sometimes after if midweek service we close, someone has a pressing issue, an urgent issue, very urgent that needs atten- attention, and you can't say that my work is done. Nine to five, I'm close. I punch out. The pastor has to attend to the sheep. Regardless. Do you understand? Regardless. There's no office close. That is why, that is why you find someone who is calling the pastor at all hours because when you, when you are in the midst of the calamity, you need your pastor. Do you understand? You need your pastor. One day, some woman was in labor in a hospital. I was in labor with her the whole night. We were in labor together. Hey! <laughs> we, were, we were together fully. In labor. That's the pastor's work. Amen. That's the pastor's work. And the pastor is praying, let this baby come. So the pastor can get some small rest. Let this baby come. So the phone ring. Is, there, is the baby here? The Lord will bring this baby. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you are in labor, I'll be in labor with you. I say, how is the pain now? Mm, I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it because the, the sheep wants you, the shepherd, to feel the pain. Pastor, I can't. Pastor, it's too much. Pastor, Reverend, Reverend, my back. It's too much. Should I take the epidural? Take it, take it, take it. <laughs> Reverend, should I take the epidural? Take it, take it, take it. Let the pastor sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God is good. He says some pastors become idle and lazy as they wait for Sunday when they can deliver their next sermon. May the Lord not ever let that happen to us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11. It says, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all. Working not at all. You know, it's not a good thing to be in church and you don't do anything. Do you understand? Endeavor to do something. Endeavor by all means to do something. Hallelujah. It says, let us be honest. Let us be realistic. Does, a, does your church need so many full-time pastors? Do we need so many full-time pastors here? No. What's the answer? No. You say yes? No. no. Does it even need one full-time pastor? Can the income of the church sustain the pastor and his family? Can the pastor not find a secular job to do? Pastors are frustrated and fearful because they are not sure whether they will be able to survive until the next month. You see, when you are a full-time pastor and you depend on the congregation and the, you're, you're receiving salary from the congregation, you know, when the rain comes on Sunday, it's a problem. Do you understand? 
when there's rain on Sunday, it's a problem. Because the people will not come to church. You see, that is why, you know, you see, God has given Lighthouse such great wisdom. We have no idea. God has given us such great wisdom. The bishop is a great blessing to us. God has anointed him with such wisdom. Amen. And we should pray that the lay ministry will continue. That we will not come to a stage where now we want to be paid, we demand this, we want this, we want that. Amen. I'm teaching you that also. So when you become a pastor, you will receive the lay ministry properly. Amen. Amen. I am happy to pastor the church without pay. I'm happy. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to work and so pastor. Do you know how, what a privilege it is to stand before a congregation like you? People that Christ has died for, Christ laid his life for, to stand before them to minister the word of God. It's a great honor. It is a great honor. It is a great honor. It is a great honor. I work in a place where I do a lot of things. You understand? And they don't honor you like that. You work in a place where it is called a critical care. Critical care. That means that people are dying. They are on the brim of death. And you work on them and then they are alive. They are gone. That's it. They don't remember you anymore. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. Sacrifice, sacrifice. The honor is in doing the work of God. That is where the honor is. In doing the work of God. Amen. He says we can overcome the frustration of waiting for the next month. You see, when a pastor is in full time, then you have to wait the next month to see if the offerings were enough. So you can get paid. You can overcome that frustration today. Get a job and pastor the church on the side until it grows and demands your full attention. Say the Swiss missionaries who went to or who were sent to Ghana many years ago were sent as self-sustaining ministers. They came equipped with skills that would enable them to work in Africa. So they did their so as they did their ministry work. This is a good example to follow. Can you imagine if the, the Swiss church sent all these people and they had to pay them? They couldn't have sent many. You and I probably will be Muslims today. Oh, yes. I'm telling you, we would have been Muslims today if they didn't come as missionaries to certain parts of the world. We could have easily been Muslim. You could have easily been Abu Bakr and Salama too. Idrisu. Yes. Amina right there. You say Angela. You could have been Amina easily. <laughs> Amen. Your name could have been Osama easily. And if you get some higher position, then they will add Bin Laden to it. Easily. You wouldn't have known Christ if somebody did not come to sacrifice. If someone was not prepared to sacrifice, we wouldn't know Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We need self-sustaining ministers today. More than ever before, 
most churches cannot bear the burden of maintaining so many full-time pastors. Hallelujah. You must keep your ministry staff as small as possible so that you can pay them properly. That is also another key. That when you employ so many people, we are paying the keyboardist. We are paying the drummer. We are paying the person who sweeps here. We are paying this person. We are paying... We cannot sustain all of them. And for that reason also, you cannot pay them properly. That is why we need many people to volunteer in the work of God. We need many people to do the work of God voluntarily. Give themselves to do the work of God and not be paid. Hallelujah. You must not have idle and discontented people around you. Idleness leads to laziness and laziness leads to discontentment and discontentment leads to disloyalty. Hallelujah. You know, people who don't do anything in the church, you know, they are the people who are able to see the wrongs and they're able to see all the errors that are in the church. And that leads you, you see, idleness, it will lead you to be discontented. Because, you, you see, when we are having rehearsals, that is why anytime I see we are having choir rehearsals and some of the women are waiting for their friends, I say, why don't you join? Because as you wait and wait and wait longer, you begin to see a lot of, oh, they stay in church for too long. The reason is because you are idle. You are not doing anything. But the people who are rehearsing, it is too short a time. We didn't have enough time to rehearse. True or not true? So when you are in church, make sure that you are doing something. Otherwise, idleness, it will lead to murmuring, discontentment, and that will lead to disloyalty. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 5 verse 13. He says, and with all, they learn to be idle. And with all means, besides, they learn to be idle, means they become idle. They become idle. Amen. Amen. They become idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but tatless. Tatless. And also busybodies. Busybodies are troublemakers. They are intruders. They are they creeping into things. Nosy. Busybodies. Speaking things which they ought not. They say things that they don't have to. Amen. Those are the people who say, hey, are you still in church? What are you doing in church? They call you. Are you home? No. Why are you? You are, you are still in church. What are you doing in church? Are you still in church? And then they tell you, it's six o'clock. Who says we don't know that there's a clock here? They are busy buddies. Troublemakers. Saying things that they ought not to. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, um, we have this last two. I'll leave you to read those. And um, we'll pause here. And um, next time we meet, we'll continue. Put your hands together for Jesus. Stand to your feet.
and let's bring the service to a close. Thank God. Lord, I give you my heart. I give, give you, you my, my soul. soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment of my way. Bring the children to come and play. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you. I live for you alone. Every brow that I take, every moment on my way. Lord, have your way in me. Don't so smile. that you have given us. We thank you, O God, for ministering to our hearts tonight. We pray, Lord, that we shall not be hearers of your word only. 
but may we be doers of your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. If there's anyone here tonight, you are not born again, with all eyes closed, every head bowed, you want to give your life to Jesus. If you are here tonight, you say, I want to give my life to Christ. You're saying, Pastor, pray with me so I can receive Jesus. If that is your prayer, I would like you to lift up your right hand. Higher above your head, lift up your right hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. You say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Is anyone here like that? You want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Christ? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Why don't you all join me and say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me. I have sinned against you. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day. Lord Jesus, wash me with your blood. Cleanse me with your blood. Forgive me of my sins. Tonight, I welcome you into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior. Lord Jesus, please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. For dying for me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. If you We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.